You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. This morning we have a treat. Um, Pastor Farrell is celebrating the holiday with his family, uh, so he's not here today, but we do have Greg Johnson with us today. And uh, some of you may be familiar with your uh, with Greg, others of you may not be, so I'll just tell you a little bit about Greg. Uh, he and his wife, Carol, and their four children have been here at Grace for about six years. And uh, Greg serves on our church council here at Grace Covenant. He's a former pastor, and um, but now he is, I will say, he's ministering uh, in the marketplace. Uh, he and his wife run a marketing firm here in the Charlotte area. So we're just blessed to have him this morning. So if you'd give him a Grace Covenant welcome. Let's welcome Greg. We have so much to be thankful for. Thanksgiving is always one of my favorite holidays. And um, yes, I did pick up a few pounds, but we're not counting because that's like, you're not supposed to count right at Thanksgiving. Um, so it, it is wonderful. And we're, we have a lot to be thankful for. Um, how many of you went Black Friday shopping? So yeah, so there's an altar call later. We're going to be <laughs> praying for you, special prayer for you. But if you got a good deal and you don't want the TV anymore, just see me after service. <laughs> um, but no, we have lots to be thankful for. We are um, in a season where we get to reflect, I think, a lot on family and friends and sort of all the things that God is doing in our life. And I certainly am thankful. Um, I'm thankful for uh, Pastor Farrell uh, giving me an opportunity to come before you today. I, I don't take it lightly. I, I, it is a, an honor and I, I, I think a lot about and pray a lot about what I will present to you. Um, but I'm thankful for him for being the leader that he is. He's such a dynamic and amazing man of God, and he's become a very good friend. And um, I think we are all fortunate to have a leader with such integrity that leads us so well. So can we just um, applaud him today? <clears throat> He's probably looking online like, what is that Greg guy going to do? Um, so uh, the other thing we want, we're thankful for, um, I think we're, I'm thankful for our, my, this family, for this Grace Covenant family. Like Angela said, we've been a part of it for six years, and we have, we've enjoyed it. You know, we've made a lot of really good relationships. Um, we've been blessed by it. And I think as you saw on the screen today and, and hear the report, there have been lots of people that have been blessed I think by what Grace has done and what we do in the community. So uh, that's another point of celebration and praise and thanksgiving to God. Uh, so let's pray and then we'll get going in our, our message today. Father, thank you so much for your, your amazing blessing. Thank you for who you are and for all that you do, God. And, and we thank you for this time of worship that we've had so far today. It has been awesome. Thank you for the power of your presence in this place. And we pray today now, God, that you would just bless, continue to bless our time. Speak through me, Lord God. Open our hearts to hear what you would have to say to each and every one of us today, that we would leave a little bit more like you, God, transformed and charged up to fulfill your calling in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, our family, my family, we are heavy consumers of media. So we are lovers of music, uh, we are on social media, my wife and I, because it's our business, my kids, because it's the way they live their life. 
we try to control and engage it, but we, we, we consume a lot of media. But one of the things that we love to do is that we love going to the movies. How many of you love going to the movies? Amen. So we are probably the number one movie-going family in this area. If you want to find us on a Friday or Saturday night, you can go to Burkdale, you can go to North Lake, and you will find the Johnson family there. We love going to the movies. Um, in fact, one of my, sis- my, my daughter's friends said, your family goes to the movies too much. What's wrong with you guys? And I said, tell your friend to mind her business. <laughs> so we love a good movie. We, we're looking forward to the Star Wars coming up. But one of the things that I love personally is I love documentaries. I love the, uh, the, the documentary films. We have Netflix. I watch a lot of them. I love uh, just hearing the details of, of, of how things are put together or how they're working, whether it's penguins or glaciers or whatever. I don't really care all that much. Um, I, love, uh, I love watching all of them except the ones about food because the ones about food are usually bad. So we don't watch those. Those are, those are banned from the docu- documentary list. But I'm fascinated by them. I love learning. I'm fascinated by it. So today we're going to be in the book of Acts in chapter 2, if you want to turn there, in the book of Acts chapter 2. And the reason I bring up the documentary thing, because in the book of Acts in chapter 2, it's kind of written like kind of how a documentary would be presented. Very visual, very dramatic, very factual. It walks us through kind of this occurrence of things. Um, and I believe one of the, the just the most powerful um, parts of the Bible, especially for us as it relates to us being in the church age. And it gives us some descriptions of what it's like when the early church got started. But I think it also prescribes to us. It tells us some things what, that we should be doing um, as part of the church age as well. I forgot to give a shout out to the balcony because that's where we usually are. I just want to give a shout out to the balcony crowd. What's up, balcony? How y'all doing? These people down here don't get what's going on up there. They don't know that all the cool stuff's happening up there. Our family's usually um, up there in the balcony. We love it up there. Um, Acts chapter 2. So Acts was written by Luke. So Luke, there's a gospel of Luke, and then there's Acts. And if you kind of put those two together, you get this very broad picture of Jesus from kind of his birth and a lot about the the three years that he served in ministry, about his death, burial, resurrection, and then his ascension. As you get into Acts, it's Jesus giving final commands and then him ascending to heaven. And when he ascends to heaven, he those final commands and those instructions are really for us because he's saying to us, this is now what I want you to go and do. And part of what he says in that very early on is that I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to come and he's going to give you power to be a witness to me or a manifestation of me, or you're going to be the physical presence of me, powered by the Spirit in this age and forever as we go forth. So he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you this power, Holy Spirit. He's going to come. He's going to be with you. Um, And and one of the things he gave, to, or he gave these instructions specifically to the 11 d- disciples, the ones that we're familiar with in the, most of the New Testament, plus there was a new one. And then there was another group, sort of these, these, these folks, men and women, that were around him that made up a group of about 130 people. And so he's telling these people, hey, go wait in the house, upper room is what they call it, go wait in the house, and the Holy Spirit's going to come, and when he comes, he's going to give you power to go do this work. So... You know, they had been on kind of a crazy ride with Jesus, right? So 
They, they, they decide they want to follow him. You know, everywhere he went, there's kind of controversy, sort of people following him around. Some love him, some hate him, uh, some saying good things about him, some saying bad. So they'd kind of been on this up and down with him. And then, you know, you're following somebody, you love them, you're kind of in there with them. And then he gets killed. You know, so they probably were like, um, I know scripture tells us that they were pretty um, torn up about that. But then he resurrects and he's alive again. And now he's this resurrected Jesus and he's given us, you know, these commandments. So, so they've been through a lot with him, but I think he earned some credibility. That whole rising from the dead thing will get you some credibility, right? <laughs> so when he says go to the house and wait, they go to the house and they wait. And then in a very dramatic way in Acts chapter 2 verses you know, one through four and very dramatic. It says that when the day of Pentecost, which was this re- Jewish religious ceremony, when it fully had come, it says that the that the Holy Spirit came and it was like a mighty rushing wind, a power that had come in the room and, and it was physically, it seemed manifested and it was it was like they could hear it. Um, but they certainly felt his presence coming into the room. And one of the things that happened very early on, the Spirit of God comes into the people, and one of the things that happens is that, is that they began to speak in languages that they could not speak in previously. So people from Galilee, Galileans, kind of an uneducated group that didn't travel a lot, all of a sudden, because the Spirit of God has empowered them, they're speaking the language of the people that are sort of outside of the room. As I looked at this passage from kind of a new lens, this past few weeks, one of the things that struck me was that God, uh, in one of the first things that he did to people as he empowered them with his spirit, is gave them the ability to connect with people that were not like them. Huh, interesting, that they began to speak in languages that were different from theirs so that they would connect the things of God and the voice of God and the the presence of God and what he's going to do prophesying in a language that they could not speak. So there was something that apparently was important to God about people Connecting with people that are not like them, reaching a people that are not like them. Just an observation that I made through that, just to how the spirit initially manifested itself. The other thing that we notice is that as he pours out his spirit is that there were some that ridiculed that moment. Like these people are drunk, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning, they're drinking. Not really, but others were marveled by what they had experienced. They, they said there's something going on here that we need to pay attention to. And so in the early chapters of uh, or the early verses of, of, of Acts chapter two, um, after all this is going on, Peter stands up. One of the disciples stands up, Peter, and he gives what is one of the most powerful sermons that's ever been preached. Because what we find out later is that over 3000 people got saved based on his sermon. How many of you know that must have been some sermon? A spirit-led, spirit-empowered sermon from Peter. And there are, a couple of th- there are lots of things that we could unpack in that sermon, but there are a couple of things I wanted to point out to you. One is that Peter tells them that what you have just seen is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said that the Spirit was going to come, and here he is. But, but even more than that, he connected it to a, a prophet, Joel, the prophet Joel, from which, which they would have known about from hundreds of years ago. He said, and it's quoted in Acts 2.17, it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And my, my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. So what's so significant about that? 
One significant thing is that up until this point, really the Holy Spirit had only been on kings. So the Holy Spirit would come and he would, he would, and he would come upon kings. He would give them the power to rule. The, the Holy Spirit would also come up on prophets and they would be able to proclaim the word of the Lord. They would say, thus said the Lord, and they would know that it was the Spirit of God moving through them. But the Spirit of God was not on all people. He was, he was limited in his role to just prophets and kings. And then, of course, we see him coming upon Jesus to begin his ministry. But now Peter, quoting Joel, is saying, the Holy Spirit has come upon all of us. So where even as a lot of the times it was men and kings, all of a sudden he's saying, your sons and your daughters, your young men and your old men, this power, this spirit is poured out on everyone. How many of you know that it's a good thing that the spirit has been poured out on all of us? So we don't have to go to someone to get some, the, the Spirit or, or to say, that guy has the Holy Spirit, I need to go to him. We all have the possibility and availability of having the Spirit poured out on us. So that's one thing that Peter wanted them to know. Another thing that he wanted them to know is that this Jesus that you've heard about, you, you probably saw him killed, you may or may not have heard that he's, he's, a, he's risen, that this Jesus, this of uh, this Jesus of Nazareth, is actually Lord. So why would that have been important to them? Because the Jews have, would have been waiting for a long time for this Messiah to come. Some of them kind of got a sense that Jesus, that this guy that was around Nazareth doing all these miracles, that he was the Messiah, but a lot of them did not believe it. So what Peter was proclaiming to them was that this Jesus, the one that you've heard about, is actually the Lord. Have you ever been absolutely certain about something like, I know for sure this thing is right. I got it. I mean, I've been doing this for years. I know that it's right. And then you find out that it's wrong. I have. I know. I'm, I have. But that's what was going on with these people. Like they were so certain that Jesus was a hoax, <laughs> that he was not really the, the Messiah that he claimed to be, that he really was just this guy kind of crazy doing all this stuff. But here they're finding out after they put it all together, this prophet Joel said this thing that the Spirit's going to be poured out after the Messiah's come. The Spirit is clearly being poured out. And I believe what they're starting to realize is that, oops, I might have been wrong. And so they, a lot of them, again, are cut to the heart, the Bible says. They're starting to lean into this idea that Jesus may be the Lord. And, and what they say is, what shall we do? Peter, what shall we do? And he says in Acts 2.38, he says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what you just witnessed, he says, can be on your life, and you too can experience the power of the Spirit of God. So I set, I'd say all of that to set up really what I'm trying to get to is these verses at the end of chapter 2, verses 40 through 47, and I believe they're going to be on the screen. And it says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. 
So continuing daily with one accord, very important, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. As I really looked at all that was happening um, that Luke was describing in the book of Acts, um, in the establishment of the church, we get the benefit of a couple of thousand years of, of the word and knowing this and hearing sermons about it. But for these folks, this was a new thing. Um, but as I look at it, I, I couldn't help but notice that in the midst of all the dramatic things that were happening in and around this environment, that there was something going on that was drawing people together. That the Spirit of God, as he was poured out, he did a lot of things. He was capable, and we're going to see in other, if you read chapter 3 and verse chapter 4, you're going to see him do miracles and a lot of amazing things. But one of the initial things that he seemed to be doing is that he started drawing people from lots of different places together into what is what we're calling and is the body of Christ. And I couldn't help but notice that that whole notion of what that really represents is this really Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit as a spirit of unity. And I thought today, as I was thinking about what I would say, is that I would just come and share this very simple thing with you, which is that amongst us as believers, we have a common unity. And our common unity is more powerful than any difference that any one of us would have. Our common unity, our connection to Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit that lives in us, what he does is that he brings us together, and that actually is more powerful than any difference that we have. We are tied to a mission. You and I, those who have found life in Christ, we are tied, we are linked, we are yoked to a mission. And that power that that comes through unity is so powerful that I believe that it can change the world. How many of you believe that the power of Christ can change the world? Now, this is what I see every day, and I'm sure you've seen it. You would have to be just dislocated from society to not. But I have seen over the past few weeks and months kind of a world that has gone crazy. I mean, some, some of the stuff that happened is, is just unbelievable. The violence, the immorality that's kind of on display, the divisiveness that is on display in our country. Could you have ever imagined that you'd live and see a time where this was happening in our country? And one thing you can do is you can look at it and you can get kind of bummed out about it and you can maybe just kind of like, I'm going to turn it off and I'm not going to pay attention to it. But I believe that God has called his people to not turn it off. I believe that God has called his people not to join in it, but I believe that God has called his people to be light in the midst of darkness, hope in the midst of hopelessness, give people an idea of what it means to actually be connected and united to each other. When I look at this, this passage, verses 40 through 47, there are three points I want to point out to you as it relates to us being united together. The first one is that, um, in verse 40 through 41, that the first thing is that we have to be united with God. There may be some of us today that, you know, maybe you've never come to a saving faith, a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I want to let you know today that your life hasn't really begun until that has, has kicked in. 
I was one of those people who I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with parents who loved the Lord. I kind of went through the motions, but I, I never really sort of made the real commitment to Christ. And so I lived a lot of my life. I was very successful. I did a lot of things, but I woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I am so empty inside. Like, I don't even know what this is. all. I don't even know what this all adds up to. I mean, I can get another job. I can get another promotion. I can do a lot of cool things, but I'm not. There's something inside of me that says there's got to be more to life than this. And I believe when Peter was preaching that day um, and we hear in verses 40 through 41, he says, and with, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3000 souls were added to them. I believe some people saw there's something about what Peter is saying that can fill that hole in that void in my life. That maybe this Jesus, this Christ that has died on the cross, who is now risen, who's who's clearly sent his spirit to proclaim life in him. There's something to this that I need to connect my life with. And out of that, they began to live for the first time. So the first thing I would say to you today is that if you've never given your life to Christ today, I would I would I would plead with you to consider that. Because life has not begun until it has begun in Jesus Christ. How many of you know that? How many witnesses do I have to that this, to, this morning? And when we, when we say yes to Christ, we get that power. We get the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. So I don't have to live my life alone anymore. I don't have to wonder what the future holds. I don't have to wonder what the next thing is because God is with me and he's leading me and guiding me through my life. There, it, is, it is not something that we deserve, but it is the best thing that you could ever get. United with God through his son, Jesus Christ. The second point I wanted to bring up is that um, what's also I think this passage brings out is that we're united in faith, that we those that have now accepted Christ are united in faith. And how do we get united in faith? It really happens through spiritual disciplines. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So what, is, what Peter lays out here is not just, or what, the, what Acts lays out here for us, is not just that we get saved and we sort of march down this, this journey alone. But it says there are some things that can help us grow in our faith. Uh, listening to preaching and teaching the word of God, reading and studying the scriptures. And as you study the scriptures and I study the scriptures and we study the scriptures together, it draws us closer to each other. As you pray and I pray and we pray together, it draws us closer together. We come to know what is a common faith between the two of us. And again, that is an overcoming kind of faith, because when I come together with you in prayer, I'm not so much concerned about the differences that we have. I'm concerned about this spirit of God that unites us. And that spirit of God begins to tear down walls between us, begins to show us ourselves in ways that maybe we've never considered before. That happens as a result of us pursuing spiritual disciplines. And then the last thing I would say is that we're united in community. And again, I call it common unity because there is a common unity amongst believers. He says now all those who, were, were, who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and good. They divided them among all as anyone had need. And continuing daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart. You get this picture that these people were living life together, don't you? 
And I believe today that we are those that are called to be one, that we are unified by the spirit. The, 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 in, the, in Ephesians chapter four, verse five, that's not on the screen. I'll just read it to you. It says there's one body and one spirit and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and one father who is above all and through all and in all. We are those that are of us that have accepted Christ. We are actually in one, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. And here's the thing, I'll say it again, this common unity that we have, this bond, this relationship that we have, this oneness that we have as a people of God, I believe can be the brightest light that this world has seen. I believe that if, if we just be who God has called us to be, if, he just, if we just link up the way that he's called us to link up, if we just demonstrate the love of Christ the way that he's called us to, to demonstrate the love of Christ, I believe that the world, as in those first church, I believe the world will be looking in and saying, what's going on with those people? Amen. Wow, I want some of what they have. Because how many of you know it is exhausting to be divided? It is exhausting to look at your, to stare at and look at the differences that people have all the time. But it is so refreshing when I can come to someone and I can come from who I am and they can come from who they are and we can have Jesus in the middle of us and that we begin to create a bond around our faith. And before you know it, our differences don't matter as much. It is who we are in Christ. Now, I have a confession to make this morning. It's going to shock some of you, I know. But I'm (laughs) African-American. My skin is darker than some of yours. Maybe because of it, uh, in history, my experience in America may may have been different than yours. But this is what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to not give up who I am because who I am makes me who I am. And God didn't ask me to give up who I am. He said, bring that too. <laughs> bring that to the table. But what I'm willing to do is I'm not going to ask you to give up who you are either. I'm not going to ask you to stop being who you are, to give up your identity. We all come from all different places. We all have all these different stories. I'm not going to ask you to give that up. I'm going to say, bring that to me. Bring so that we can get in relationship and that we can grow together. I believe God intended it to be that way. He's called us for that very purpose and for that very reason. When the Spirit of God came and when Christ came and when in the whole beginning of the church movement, he, at first they were just preaching and teaching to the Jews and to the children of Israel, but it wasn't very, very long down the road that he, was, he told Peter, go visit this guy, go find this guy named Cornelius. He's a Gentile. <gasps> And Peter struggled with that. Read chapter 10 of the book of Acts. Peter, Peter, the spirit-filled, godly man who had walked with Jesus, struggled with that. Because he was like, well, I thought this was for us. <laughs> but he says he's poured his spirit out on everyone. He's poured his spirit out on everyone. So I believe today that God has poured his spirit out on us for such a time as this that we get the privilege of introducing to the world what unification, what being unified in Christ really looks like as a body of believers. My 
My son is a race car driver. Tell you one other story. My son's a race car driver. So my son is African American too. <laughs> so there are not a lot of African Americans at the racetrack. Um, so you know, honestly, I go up there and I'm thinking like, kind of, what's this environment going to be like? I hear, you know, I hear kind of some things about the race crowd. Um, and this is what happened to us. Are you ready for this? We have been loved in ways that I've never been loved before. <laughs> We have, we have been cared for. Um, there are people that have embraced him. When I'm not even around, I don't even know what to do. I can't even change oil in the car, okay? <laughs> I can change a tire, but I, <laughs> let's, well, I went, never mind. I just don't know a lot about cars. But there are people that have embraced him and that have loved him, and he actually is one of very few that have a darker skin up there racing. But what I believe that that does, it says to me that we can actually all get along. It's one example of how we can all get along. It's one example of how I don't have to stop being who I am. You don't have to stop being who you are. We can come together in the name of Jesus and we can, the output of that can be this shining example to the world that Jesus actually is alive. There was a woman up there at the track. She, she and I have very different political views, like couldn't be more different. And, um, but we are also both Christians. <laughs> And so I remember one day her introducing in a very bold way her political point of view. And I was like, (laughs) and and it was just like like God in his spirit and his love and his mercy. He he just was like, calm down. (laughs) And, And you know what? I just went over and I said, you know what? Tell me more about why you believe what you believe. Tell me more about why you think the way you think and kind of where it comes from. I've never, you know, I, I just don't, I never talk. I just, we sort of just sort of react. And like, we had the best conversation. We left that conversation not really still agreeing on a unified political point of view, but we agreed that we were both unified in Christ. Amen. <laughs> and that that was more important than our political differences. And now she loves, we just have the best relationship. She loves on my son. She calls him her like her grandson. It's like an amazing thing. And guess what? We still have different political points of view. So what I believe the challenge is for us as believers, as we wrap this up today, as we end it today, is that God is calling us to a higher place, Grace Covenant. God has been very good to us. He has been so, like, better than you probably even know. God has done some amazing things through this body called Grace Covenant Church. I am amazed at some of the things that he's done. But he's calling us, I believe, to a higher place because he can trust us. Because he knows we're going to be faithful. He knows that we'll respond to the call. He knows that we'll be good representatives of his. And he's saying to us, go be light in a dark place. Go love people that you don't know. Go seek people that are different from you. Go show them who I am. Be uncomfortable in it sometimes, but but know that I am with you. Know that I'm calling you for such a time as this, because otherwise it wouldn't look so good. It wouldn't look so good. But I know, I believe this morning that we're those that are going to respond to the call. Amen? Amen? Let's give God a hand praise this morning. There's a, there's a, 
a season that we're in now where, where there will be lots of sharing and gifts and, you know, like love in the air. And I would just encourage all of us as we think about all the, 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 the comforts of being around people that we're comfortable with, where might God be calling us to a place of maybe it's not so comfortable that we can reach somebody who maybe hasn't been reached before? And maybe, that, maybe by you crossing that line and extending that hand, maybe they'll see Christ in a way that they've never seen him before. And maybe just that simple act and that simple gesture will be the beginning of many people coming to know the Lord. Let's, let's stand today. I call our prayer team to come forth today. If you are one of those that can't say that I know, I don't even know what you're kind of talking about because I've never, I don't have the spirit of God in me because I've never said yes to Christ. But I want to know who he is and how he can bless my life. There are going to be some folks up here that can help you with that. And maybe you need prayer for some other reason, for a health challenge or a financial challenge, or, or maybe you've struggled. Maybe you've struggled with having differences in, in, in different kinds of people, or maybe there you just know God is tugging on your heart and he's trying to open you up in some area. He did, he did have to do that for me, to stop looking at people as colors and and, and, and politics and all these things and start to look at people as, the, as what, how God sees them. As people that he want to love and that he already loves and that he has a plan for their life. So maybe you need prayer in that area today. And we're here to help you with that. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you make so clear to us what you're calling us to do. Thank you that you love us enough that when we make mistakes that you're there to forgive us and to redirect us and to correct us and to help us and to heal us. That you never leave us, you don't forsake us, but you have a plan for us. God, thank you for calling Grace Covenant to a higher place, Lord. Thank you for calling us to do more. Thank you for using us more. Thank you for trusting us more, God. And I pray, God, we won't let you down. We'll respond. We love you today. We bless you. I pray that now as everyone leaves, God, that you would go before us, that you would give us safe travels, that you would bless our day, bless our families, and bless our weeks. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you go. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.